Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, let your will be done through us. Amen. Amen. Last year, my wife went through laser eye surgery. Previous to this, life had been much harder for her. Her eyesight was very poor, and so without her glasses, she really couldn't see very well. She had to take the time and spend the money on contact lenses, which are a hassle, especially when you travel. And every few years, she needed to get another eye exam and get another pair of eyeglasses for her weakening vision. Well, then she decided to have this laser eye surgery, which turned out to be quite a game changer. All of a sudden, she could see, and not just 2020, but the doctors did an even better job. Today, her eyesight is 2010. So she began to notice things that she'd never noticed before. All of a sudden, the kitchen was dirty. All of a sudden, her husband was old. Of course, the end result of her improved vision is much joy, especially after snowy weeks like this one when we saw our landscape so wonderfully transformed, living up to that license plate slogan of a winter wonderland. And I wonder if this game-changing vision isn't what Jesus is getting to this morning when you and I hear his very first speech in which he shares what he sees and he puts on his Jesus goggles. That's the title and the challenge of the sermon this morning, friends, is for you and me to put on Jesus goggles. And I wonder if the result isn't supposed to be the same for you and for me, clearer, improved vision that brings us overwhelming joy when we see what Jesus saw and put on our Jesus goggles. We are in Matthew chapter 5, as Father Steve read for us. It means we're just at the beginning of this 28-chapter book of Matthew. And we have had the birth of Jesus. We have the baptism of Jesus. We've had the temptation by the devil. We've had the calling of disciples. But we really haven't heard much from Jesus until chapter 5. And the whole chapter is Jesus talking. But this is the first 12 verses, his most iconic, his most familiar, his most famous, famous speech, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has brought his disciples, as we heard, and a crowd to a high place. Here he sat everybody down, and he's going to give what we may want to interpret as a roadmap to his ministry. He is going to open our eyes to, new, to a new and exciting way of seeing the world. He is going to begin his ministry, which is a ministry that has touched more people on the face of the earth than have ever existed, a way that I think gives you and me boundless hope and ambition for our work here and the trajectory of our race and of our planet. We begin to unpack the gospel or the good news, and it is great news for you and for me. 
What do I mean by that? Well, I'm indebted to a colleague, Father John Roars, for helping me see this passage in a new light, because after all, we all know it, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. However, this passage, I have not always found as readily understandable. It is admittedly difficult for us to understand how anybody who's lost their faith is in the throes of mourning or has a social standing that puts them low on the totem pole could possibly be blessed. And in my years as a preacher, I have heard time and time again, many times, the linguistic and theological gymnastics people have performed around this passage to try to make sense of how these things could make one blessed. But I think what not only sounds better, but is more in keeping with Jesus's vision for the world is if you and I use our imaginations and we substitute the word blessed for the word beloved. What if the passage was not a declaration of the benefits of suffering and instead a statement of the compassion of God? Beloved are the poor in spirit. Beloved are those who mourn. Beloved are the meek. So Jesus is not telling the suffering, the downtrodden, the vulnerable to hang on, someday it'll be worth it. Rather, he's assuring them, he's assuring you and me this morning that no matter what sorry state we find ourselves or the world in, in God's eyes, we are beloved. And some of us really need to hear that message this morning after another week of being beaten up by a caustic culture all around us, not to mention our own insecurities and our own poor self-images. I think Jesus wants to tell us this morning, in your poverty, you are beloved. In your sickness, you are beloved. In your insecurities, you are beloved. In your imperfections, you are beloved. In your lack of faith, you are beloved. In your indecision, you are beloved. In your confusion, you are beloved. In your selfishness, you are beloved. And it's not just when we're down and out, but God's compassion, God's blessedness is with us with when times are better. In your purity of heart, you are beloved. In your peacemaking, you are beloved. When you are persecuted for doing the right thing, you are beloved. When you take a hit for sticking up for others, you are beloved. Jesus is looking at life through a different lens. Jesus sees things that you and I don't see. And this will be the hallmark of his ministry. You ever think about it? It's not what he will do, it's what he will see. Jesus goggles, and we're invited to put them on. Put on your Jesus goggles and see who's hurting around you at work, in the market, in the neighborhood, in the family, in your very own soul. And let us channel the words of Christ to ourselves and to others. And what, is, what are those words of Jesus? I see you, and you are nothing less than God's beloved. The first year after I graduated college, I helped a friend start a travel agency. The Travel Connection, downtown Birmingham, I think it's a vegan restaurant now. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, and I was, I was willing to undertake this project that would help me um, explore what a lot of people just out of college want to explore, and that is travel the world, 
So during that year, I took advantage of many free trips. And those days, they called them fam trips back in the 80s. And they climaxed to a trip to South Korea and to Japan. I'll never forget boarding Northwest Flight 001, which was a 22-hour nonstop flight, all because of my boss's generosity. It was flown in first class. And so my vision for life at that young age was one in which I would experience as many wonderful parts of the world as I could, save my money to spend on desired possessions that I had on my list. What a life devoted to fun times of adventure and discovery, and I already had a great head start. But eventually I would run headlong into one of life's biggest dilemmas. And this happens as you mature. It's embodied in a famous phrase that I'm sure you've heard. It goes like this. When I wake up in the morning, I have to decide between two things. To grab a cup of coffee, walk to the back porch, and behold the absolute beauty and wonder of the world. Or to wake up, scarf down my breakfast, lace up my boots, and head out to work because there's so much wrong with the world that needs me fixing. Escalating war in Ukraine. Simmering tensions in the Holy Land. Anarchy in Haiti, police brutality in Memphis. Shall I go on? I remember going to Egypt trying to eat a meal at a cafe in Cairo, wonderful exotic delicacies in the cafe table before me. Just three, way, three feet away, crowd of little kids, little hungry kids, begging that I give them a scrap of food, a dollar, even my empty water bottle when I'm finished. How do you enjoy your meal with that going on? It's the awkwardness that you and I always face as rich Christians in an age of hunger. And so I wonder with the Sermon of the Mount, if Jesus isn't trying to solve this dilemma. He's telling us to put our Jesus goggles on and not overlook the poor, but to focus on them. Because in helping the suffering, the hurting, the lonely, the needy, not only are we helping them, but friends, why did Jesus came? Why did Jesus come? so that we may find ourselves. We were created to give. We were created to be channels of God's love. We were created by love. We are happiest when we are living in love and we are destined for love. Jesus is trying to open our eyes so that we can see what he sees. And then to assure us that when we take that bold move of seeing and then acting on what we see, we have found our salvation. We have found eternal life. Indeed, we are beloved and we are blessed. Very shortly, we're going to head over to the parish hall and sit down over a plate food of somebody else's food. Yes, it's a potluck and we share dishes from other kitchens to show how much we trust one another here at St. David's. <laughs> I've talked to some of you and I know that you took me up on my offer and you have cooked things that you never in your life have cooked before. So be warned. <laughs> We're going to commence our 70th annual meeting. It was 1952 back at Oxford School in Berkeley, where this uh, parish took roots, planted by St. James in Birmingham. And we will uh, review what we've done in 2022. We're going to look ahead to 2023. And like last year's focus was on gratitude. Remember, we gave away our wristbands and we, we uh, tried to keep top of mind uh, God's graciousness to us. This year, our focus is going to be on connection. COVID has separated us from one another. A lot of us have gotten into bad habits over COVID. A lot of us have gotten on those Zoom meetings and we've called it good. And we've failed to really take advantage of what in-person connection is all about. 
It strained our relationships. And we, we talked a lot about this at our vestry retreat that was last weekend. It's our annual gathering of your elected leadership. And we decided to make 2023 this year of connection. And I think it's very much in line with what Jesus is asking in today's gospel. Because before we can connect with each other, we have to see one another. And not just good, happy, church-approved faces, but for who we really are. And we are really a group of very human, very flawed people, but ones who are bent on following Jesus and giving our lives to God in the best ways we can. And Jesus' offer to put on his goggles is for us to do just that. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus wants to connect with you. He sees you, he calls you beloved, just as we are to do with those around us. Look around in your congregation. It's a good place to start. And grouping of people whom you see regularly or not so regularly. We have hurting people all around us who God wants us to see, hiding pain even from themselves. Our task is to put these goggles on, to see them, to see ourselves as God does, to remember that we are beloved and to live as if that were true. Many of you are parents or grandparents, and you've heard that saying that if you want your kids to have a good marriage, then you have a good marriage. If you want them to have good relationships, model for them good relationships. This is a great Petri dish for that to happen, folks. Have good relationships with one another. Open yourselves up to people who are different from you, have different ethnic backgrounds, have different economic backgrounds, have different political views. That's a good thing about church. We are beloved is what Jesus says, and we're to remind others that they are too. Friends, everyone we meet today needs to be reminded that they matter and are worthy of being treated well. Everyone we meet today needs validation of their worth, that they are worthy of our attention and our recognition and their talents and their hard work and their thoughtfulness. Everyone we meet today needs us to withhold our judgments and stereotypes and to be approached as neither inferior or inferior, but allowed to be the people they define themselves as. We are all old enough to have figured out that our deepest joys do not come from high-priced possessions or exotic experiences, but by our relationships, our connections with each other. And when we invest in those relationships, we're really investing in our own self-interest. And Jesus' invitation is to put on his goggles and see each other for who we are. Then declare God's beloved words of invitation and acceptance to those around us. Hey, that's our job as Christians. So let's take that risk of a clearer and improved vision to see the world as Jesus does, participating in the overwhelming joy that we know knowing God is all about when we put on Jesus' goggles. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.